All right, check one, check two. This is it. Welcome to the Cannabis Coffee Hour with your host, me, Rob Cantrell. Oh man, I got an exciting episode, a dope episode. I got a little bit of ganja, a little bit of coffee. I got a great friend. A great artist, an outstanding comedian, hilarious uh, comedian and writer, uh, has written books. Uh, and he was there from the beginning of my stand-up days in San Francisco. He now lives in Brooklyn. We're good friends. Uh, it's an honor to have him on the show. Please give it up for Mr. Harmon Leon. Hey, <laughs> hey, is that, is that too much of a letdown with such a great introduction as that, that you gave me? <laughs> oh, it's perfect. A good old, <laughs> hey, it's good. Uh, thanks for getting up early, Harmon. It's about 11 o'clock here, which is kind of early. It's an awkward time for Brooklyn time because people start getting their day moving and in their kind of mm -hmm. in their coffee. But uh, Harmon Leon, welcome to the program. You got your coffee. Uh, Harmon is just a, a, I can't, I don't even know where to begin because I've known you for a long time, but also I find you very fascinating and hilarious. And your work ethic is amazing. Harmon has written eight books. His latest one is called Tribe Spotting. And they're also very infiltrating. Like he goes into subcultures and writes about them in such great, in hilarious ways and he always seems to to me he always seems to be three or four years ahead of the curve in terms of uh, <laughs> popular culture you're always yeah, so what, what you're saying is like uh what i'm doing today they'll love three years from now they'll love in 2025. oh especially the tribalism <laughs> thing that you got your la latest book that you published a year ago which kind of taps into like a lot of what's going on with, you know, politics and whatnot. But before we get into the book, let's just just talk coffee and herb a little bit. Uh, yeah. You're having some coffee. Harmon, tell me about your morning routine. Like, are you? Oh, man, I, I I've been waiting for someone to ask me about my morning routine. And this is this is in all sure I could go for the jokes. Here's a bunch of jokes of what I do first thing in the morning, but I, in all seriousness, morning routine, get up. Ooh, like that. Yeah, out of bed. Out of bed. I, I do some of the mindful meditation. I do 10 minutes of just let's, let's meditate. Let's clear our head. Let's just concentrate on the breathing. This is oh, what yeah. this time is all about. Plenty of YouTube channel, usually with an English accent, <laughs> will will walk you through that shit. Yes. Okay. When you get up, uh, just real yeah. quick, do you go? Do you open the windows? Like, do you open the shades right away and let natural light in? Or are you kind of more like, let's creep into the morning and like, let's ease into uh, it, drink a little water. Okay, man. So, uh, and, and this gets into the morning routine thing. Like, on on. I have go-to YouTube guys. That yeah, who's this, your go-to? I, I like. Oh, oh, wait, wait. But this, this is like phase three of my morning routine. If you want me to go logistically into this, okay. But, but one of the uh, morning or one of the YouTube go-to guys said you should start your day in bed, get out of bed, going, yeah, let's get it on. Which you know, too extreme. That you know, a little bit much. 
But in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, let's let's get on. We got a plate of things to get to. So boom, out of bed, windows open. Boom, let's get that natural light going. Are we letting fresh air in? I'm doing a little fresh air. Or is it too cold? Oh, it's too cold, man. Too cold, too cold. <laughs> we're, we're, we're in Brooklyn. We're Brooklyn, February, though today is 60. What's up with that? Yeah. 60. Yesterday, it was, oh, it was almost 14. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, two days ago, it was 20. <laughs> now we, we've jumped 40 degrees. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, don't Teslas know. are moving. We're getting yeah. there. We're getting there. You know, let's not go down that route, but I get you. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Uh, we wrap up, we wrap up the meditation. No, we jump into what 10 minutes with the YouTube hot yoga lady. Oh yeah. <laughs> so get, get some movement going. Let's, 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 let's do some yoga. Let's do some yoga for 10 minutes. Let's get the body moving, get that done. All right, bam, wrap that up. That's wrapped up. Okay. Two things crossed off on the morning routine list. Let's go into routine three. We put on one of the YouTube go-to kind of positive Buddhist message guys, we, while, while that's going on, we journal, we journal. Yes. To get the gratitude journal going. We, oh, I, yeah. I, I, I go to five things that I have gratitude for, get the positive <laughs> uh, brain vibe going. Meanwhile, we have some, uh, Kind of lately, guy, we've gone into to some Eckhart Tolle, maybe. You yeah. know, <laughs> I love me some Eckhart Tolle. He has the he's, best pace. He's so low key. So um, low I've, key. I've I've gone through a bunch of other YouTube kind of positive Buddhist message guys. In the end, <laughs> okay. So there was one Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 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 like a a classic. He's a classic, and then that guy. He's not going to make you. Wait, which guy? He was a Buddhist guy. The guy that yeah. to kick it with uh, Martin Luther King, uh, thick. Uh, it, it's a, he's another one, but he mm -hmm. he was Vietnamese, and he was very close to Martin Luther King. And uh, you know, it was kind of like Dalai Lama. A couple mm -hmm. of these guys, Eckhart Tolle is below that kind of that mindful world, but he just passed. Um, and he helped me out a lot. But I his yeah name, yeah. <laughs> I, I had I had one YouTube guy. Um, all right, he's kind of high energy. He's in LA, um, bringing the good vibes. Then, at, when the pandemic kicked in, kind of went anti-vaxer on us. Oh wow! Started calling it the plandemic. It's oh, like, wow. oh man, the the breathe in for three, breathe out for three guy is a kind of a fucking asshole. Yeah. So I had, I had to drop him. Spirituality, you you do yeah. find that. Yeah, yeah. So that was like what? So I let it. I let that slide like once with him. It's like, well, maybe pandemic is some higher concept. But no, 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 no. He was a little tricky. Like, I'm pro vaccine, but it's like yeah. it is putting shit in people's bodies. So I give it a little bit of a slide, just a slight, but not. I want everybody vaccined up. I'm ready mm. to get back out there. I want everybody to hit it. I hit it. I've been doing flu shots since the 80s. I don't give a yeah. fuck, man. I've been smoking resin since I was <laughs> 17. Like I care about a vaccine, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, drop that guy. Uh, yeah. More Echo Tolly. There's another guy. Um, and cool. uh, and then I make I make the coffee. Oh, yeah. What while, are we doing? Playing. Um, we go French roast. We go like a French press. That's what I do. I, 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 I like the ritual of it. I like just the, 
I'm going to be hands on with my coffee making. It's raw. It's raw. It's yeah. straight up. It's I love simple designs and mm-hmm. it works every time and it gets it and you get a good taste out of it. Now, do you get the real beans and then grind them or you getting just grounded coffee at the bodega? Uh, Rob, 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 we're not there yet. Okay, baby sorry, steps, brother. baby steps. I got you. I'm trying baby steps to into the getting the grinder. Oh, and, yeah. And right. then, uh, yeah. And then uh, we got that boom, coffee ready, done. All right, read the news sites. There's like six news sites I read. Uh, read them up, make some Future, notes. What's your top three? Are we doing New York Times email? That's my m- one. Um, I Are go you pay to for the subscriptions. Oh, you you pay for this New York Times subscription? I'm thinking about it because they get because they link you in the email so good. Yeah, and then you're like, oh yeah, this is some good info. And then they but they, yeah, they, 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 they leave you hanging. They leave you hanging. They want that twelve dollars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I go, I go CNN, just pretty basic. I go daily. Yeah, the Twitter, that's a good cheap way to do it sometimes. What, what, what's that with uh, um, CNN via Twitter? Or are you going CNN's just straight up web page? We're going the web page. We're going the web page. We scroll the page. We go Daily Beast. We go with the radical politics. We go raw story. Then we go. Then we go. We bring a British. We, we go with the Guardian UK. Little and, international. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then I go dig. I don't know why dig because dig just pulls stories from all over and yeah. something like that because, uh, you know, we're looking for possible story ideas for, for writing up future stories. It's like, oh, that group seems good to infiltrate. All right. Now I know about them for reading them on Dig or Daily Beast or The Guardian or the CNN. Are you fucking with BuzzFeed? No, BuzzFeed is just, I don't know. I was, I was watching this documentary last night. BuzzFeed used to have a white supremacist as their social media guy. I think his name is Baked Alaska. I was watching this Louis oh, Thurber's documentary. I know about that, dude. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and, Louis. Uh, January 6th. Yeah. Me being from Virginia and Charlottesville, like DC, mm. like Charlottesville fucked me up. Like that yeah. was like our cool progressive college town. Oh, yeah. Tell me about that. So that was like sort of like your Austin of close by or. Yeah, Austin of close by. I saw Dave Matthews before he broke out. I saw him at a house party play. There oh, wow. Was, yeah. I saw mm-hmm. him at a house party, just ripped yeah. the house down. There's UVA is like one of the coolest colleges in the world. That's hard as hell to get into. Uh, it has one of the most beautiful lawns, the most beautiful campus. The town is so chill. It's around the Blue mm. Ridge Mountains. Yeah, it's a hidden gem. That's like where one percenters go to retire now. You know, it's like it's just like a, like an Asheville kind of North yeah, Carolina. Totally, it was the Asheville before Asheville. I would say Asheville, mm. but Asheville is a little bit younger, but Throughout the 80s and 90s, you know, it had cool music venues. It had uh, like a literary scene, you know, because it was just like around a lot of good colleges. It just wasn't as redneck, you know? Yeah. And I never saw, you know, dudes chanting, you know, anti-Jewish shit or, you know, <laughs> you won't. Yeah. I've never saw that. And I grew up around like hardcore rednecks. Like, right. And we're like, you know, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. like back in the 80s, like, you know, steel mine type of shit. Mm. Um, and I never witnessed. So when I saw that, that's what I was like, oh, shit. You know, this tribalism shit is deep rooted right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, 
Yeah, I think the, the the tangent we went off was from BuzzFeed. Yeah, yeah BuzzFeed. Uh, okay, yeah. F them. F the BuzzFeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck them. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, anyway. after you do your, your sorry, I'm trying yeah. to talk. Oh, over. go ahead, go ahead, man. Let's keep let's keep on the trajectory course. We were, yeah, after we your three. No, no, after your three top, you get some information going. Yeah. Because you are a writer, constantly writing, and I want to know about your writing process. Sure. Uh, but after you do your 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 I don't want to break your thing after you do your absorption of today's current events, mm -hmm. then ben, what? time to write time to write the assignments. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So lately just writing assignments and also I'm lately uh, producing documentaries. So we had a documentary in Tribeca film festival this year. Um, what was, was that about? Okay. Get this. Um, so here's, here's the, the world of Harmon is like, uh, Comedy on stage, funny. Yeah. Uh, fingers crossed. You know, subjective. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, it's always been funny to me, Harvey. <laughs> documentaries, nothing, usually nothing funny about them. Always very, very serious, if not depressing subject matter. But here's the tie the skills you learn in stand up, like such as just like timing and knowing that things, you have to evoke an emotion at this point, like in stand up, it's laughter. But like when you're doing the serious documentaries, okay, we want to play on their emotions at this point. You, that's all learned from the school of stand up. Also, you know, just plain timing. Also, the idea of a punchline. Okay, so in the case of stand up punchline, yes, big laughs. In the case of so, like a serious documentary, okay, man, we want to play on their heartstrings here. That's how this like sequence of, uh, you know, visuals needs to end. So we use terms like punchline, but when we punchline is like, we want a visceral or just some sort of response here at the end of this, like sort of montage. So it's like, yeah, you're trying to tap into real emotion. I think with documentary and that type of art, you're really trying to tap into human because we're so computerized now and everybody has so many different masks on is that I think the power of the documentary and like hardcore art, like you're talking about, like Harmon went into like abortion clinics. He went into like brainwash uh, Christian camps in the South. This is all during the nineties and written books about it. He's been on Howard Stern. He actually did a show with OJ. What would yeah, that yeah, we'll yeah, talk yeah. about uh, <laughs> that? He's it has a fascinating career, but uh yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Sorry, where were we, Harvard? I I smoked a little bit of herb. <laughs> no, sorry, man. We're just talking to documentaries. Yeah, um, documentary, like the punchline. You're you're saying, okay, so what was your documentary about? Um, the latest one that was at Tribeca Film Festival is about. Uh, so I have a documentary uh, filmmaking partner. He's based in Berlin. Uh, he worked with this guy who grew up in East Germany. Uh, his dad left him. When he was little, they reunite later in life. He learns that his dad was not only a member of Stasi, which is the secret police of East Germany, but also a double agent who got a new identity, who defected to the West and got a new identity from the CIA, who brought him to America. And then he ended up on Wall Street as a fat cat, um, making millions, reunited with his son, later in life, but after they reunited, here's the downer ending. He killed himself, or did he? Ah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's the shit we're making on the on the documentary film. That is thing. fascinating, though, Darman. That is fascinating. 
especially that true story agent shit in the cia like wow man that's a life and uh yeah suicide is always there and it's uh scary and life is a light and dark so in documentaries that's how you're supposed to show it so but i don't want to give people the downer that sounds what's the name of this film is it going to be on streaming service yeah yeah so we did it as a short then we got funding now to do it as a feature so um we got the guy who did i don't know if you see that doc ellis documentary called no no doc yeah was, yeah yeah so he's our executive producer so um just but that was us, an animation type of thing but it blew it, up. Well, it had some animation, but um, just to let like uh, listeners, viewers know, like Doc Ellis, Pittsburgh Pirate pitcher, dropped some acid. Yes. Um, and what did he do, Rob? Pitched a no-hitter. Pitched a no-hitter in a professional <laughs> but, league game yeah. after not knowing he was going to play. Yeah. And hung out at his girlfriend's and they were just listening to funk music, yeah. weed and dropping acid. Of the 70s. And of the 70s, and they were like, dude, you have a game today, and dude, you are pitching. And he goes out there, and I'm not a sports guy, but it's one of the dopest pieces of animation because they use the animation from, I guess, this historic reel. This guy had had Doc tell the story, and Doc is being as real as he was talking to his buddy in a coffee shop and tells his story about how much acid and how powerful the acid was like it was some powerful like you know not like i'm kind of tripping he was like super tripping (laughs) but he had to just focus on this one job and it became super laser yeah but again we're seeing that in silicon valley with the microdosing we're microdosing like okay gotta 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 drop some code here (laughs) gonna do a little microdosing and just People are getting the job done. So well, I think there's like a bit of that with Doc Ellis. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, psychedelics in terms of uh, the Grateful Dead and, uh, you know, the, even their equipment that they use and the people they were hanging out with and how it just opens your mind and you use it to work. Yeah. People are doing that with microdosing. What I would say in the last 10 years, a lot of comedy writers, I think, is why I never joke. People were popping Adderall the last 10 years like crazy. Like, that's how they have, have you ever done Adderall? I've never, I've never done Adderall. I've never, I did Riddle yeah, back I, in the day in high school. My friend had a prescription to Riddle, and that's right. I probably should have been on Ritalin, but my mom never fucked with any of that <laughs> shit. And yeah. uh, but my roommate did. And you know, to get through studying one time, we all took Ritalin and uh, and studied. And it worked. <laughs> but I think, yeah, Adderall is like the next step after Ritalin. You know, it's yeah, that was like the 2000s that kind of came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, never done it, but there's yeah. some Silicon Valley people making the next Facebook on it. I know, I know. I think Donald Trump ran his whole campaign <laughs> oh, on like a pocket full of Adderall, you know? Oh my God, it was just like so obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I have seen it with some big wigs. Like, I don't, I mean, I have seen it. Like, uh-huh. like really rich, like, but high powerful, like whether it's like Wall Street or lawyers, like they'll be jawing a little bit. Like, I'm just like, oh, I think these guys are like, popping yeah. Adderall and um, all this bullshit all day. Yeah, it's. I think it's like the old Elvis Presley adage. It's like, it's not a drug if my doctor prescribes it. Yeah, you know? I keep it moving. I'm making billions <laughs> yeah. of dollars and I have yeah. a boat out in uh, Southampton right now. Yeah. Oh, speaking of that, uh, you know who I interviewed recently? Um, uh, Jordan Belfort, 
the guy who wrote Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. <laughs> what did you think of that film? So I okay, here's I rewatched it. To interview him. Yeah. Um, okay, it's first of all, or is it a piece of shit? I can't tell. From a film perspective, little long. A little long. <laughs> you could stop 45 minutes off that film. But the shots was, are really good. You're like, oh, it's it's a classic, but you could just chop 45 minutes off of it, make it tight, but no one's gonna say no to yeah. Martin Scorsese. Um, what yeah. what did you think of it? Yeah, I haven't watched it all the way through because it's so decadent so that it bums me out about humanity sometimes. Like there was there was no like and it's I'm seeing that even don't look up like there's no like, mm -hmm. oh, that some people are kind of good. It's like they're bad. But why are you guys celebrating this dude? Like, it just seems like he's a kind of a shitty dude, but they're kind of making him look like a modely crew. Like it almost has this like. Motley ah. crew documentary rock star feel to it where they're I gotcha. Of, yeah. I don't think they were that cool, first of all. I definitely don't well, think they of were course that. they're not as cool as the Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah. Of it. It's it. I'm like, no, nah, these yeah. are some Long Island Goomba, you know, just yeah. like some goons, you know, that went in. We 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 live in New York, man, and we've yeah. been we've spent some time maybe in the meat packing district yeah, 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 and we, yeah, we've yeah. seen these guys around they, and, they ain't popping and rocking like that they ain't moving yeah. like that but i did think simit i mean the film was great and the acting was amazing i thought uh yeah the uh yeah 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 who's that dude matthew uh mcconaughey i thought that scene was really good him talking to yeah i think he improvised like that whole kind of like chest thumping, chest thing and beating off. Like I thought that was like how it was shot. Yeah, found the emotion. Like yes, yeah, Scorsese's dope as well as that nine-hour Netflix thing that he did with De Niro that everybody got on too. It's still, I mean, somatic. Like visually, it's stunning and looks awesome. And I would say, yeah, like he shot like Wolf of Wall Street. There's some great Brooklyn brownstone shots with the girl when he goes back to her apartment. Like mm. I just rewatched some of that. And I was like, oh, my God, this is shot. Amazing. You know? Yeah. Two two points on that. Uh, first, I just love going 1970s New York films. Yeah, I love that. And love it's like, OK, they're showing like once upon a time in America. It's like takes place in Williamsburg, you know? And it's like, oh shit, man, here's my, I know that, I know that corner. I know and, that street. I and it, it, it looks so foreign, but yet so same, you know? Cause it's like seventies, this city was bankrupt and uh, gritty and uh, yeah. So always love that. Uh, but second, I think what you said about uh, Wolf of Wall Street is like, there's kind of like a bro sector that looked, idolizes that. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. That's so like what you said about the Motley crew behind the music. It's like, yeah, I want to be like that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when it, if you look at it, like I was like going to interview him and going, I, I really hate this guy. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, if that guy really did that shit, I hate him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's just that cold callousness that comes with money and uh, business. And, you know, yeah. And if you don't have a soul or you don't have a conscious, you know, you could really go in there and figure it out. And, you know, we see it over and over. But how was the interview? He seems like I've seen interviews of him. He seems somewhat charming. Like he was in the big house with Tommy Chong. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the funny. I asked him about that. So, yeah. So when he went to prison. OK, <laughs> so my question to him is 
What what did you think when you showed up to prison and you saw that your cellmate was the star of Up in Smoke? Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so just let the viewer listeners know that uh, Jordan Belfort showed up in prison and his cellmate was Tommy Chong. Who yeah. was in there for what? What, Rob, like? Bongs. Dude, like I was thinking Tom's about bongs. that. People are like celebrating George Bush too, like the second one, like, oh, he's not as bad as Trump. But then I looked, I was thinking about, I was like, oh my God, he invaded a country. No, he had an unjust war. Yeah. And then yeah. he put Tommy, Tommy Chong in yeah. jail for selling bongs, like not even yeah. selling weed, like shipping, you know, yeah. graphics, you know, plastic bongs to college kids that every little town has a head yeah. shop that sells these things. Like, yeah. it's like, oh, that's you guys had your head up your ass. Yeah, yeah. So um, when there were cellmates at night, uh, he would tell Tommy Chong this, these stories and just have Tommy Chong rolling. And Tommy Chong was like, man, you got to write that down. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. that, that's what made him. Otherwise, you know, if he would add, you know, different roommate, uh, cellmate. You know, he might not have written the script. He might not have yeah. written the book. Like, do you think he's financially well off right now, Harlem? Uh, Harmon? Is he doing all? Well, okay. So I interviewed him because he was going to do an NFT drop and oh, it got pulled because the photographer that he, so they were recreating these scenes from Wolf of Wall Street. So they were recreating like the yacht scene and could have sell it like as NFTs. But the photographer has this history he always works with wolves. So it's like, there'd be like real wolves in the photo. So Wolf of Wall Street, there's wolves, uh-huh, you know? Yeah, <laughs> uh, but, but the, the yeah, yeah the, the photographer, David Yarrow, uh, has this history of kind of abusing the wolves that he uses in his photo shoots. Ooh. So a lot of backlash on the Twitter sphere and they pulled the uh, project. So controversy follows him. He was the wolf king. He's yeah. not the tiger king. He was the wolf king. Yeah, but now he's like kind of like this Tom Cruise of Magnolia, like self-help speaker, you know, which you can see. Oh, the Wolf of Wall Street guy. Jordan Belford. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jordan yeah, Belford. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Like he can't say he's giving out financial advice. So he's kind yeah. of giving out stories and like redemption stories. You too can rebound from adversity. You know. It is. I mean, to go through all that and to go through prison, like, and then to come out and have a movie and a book yeah. is pretty amazing American story. But uh, yeah, as a person, yeah, you, you, you're kind of sus. As the kids say, kind of sus, right? Yeah, I mean, again, it's like I infiltrate like white supremacist groups and shit like that. And um, I always like hearing a good story. <laughs> I mean, it, was like, it has nothing to do with my ethics or what I believe, you know. Yeah, Jordan Belford is like the king of the TGIF Friday lunch where yeah. you yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah, paid yeah. for on the corporate bill and you're just yeah. eating potato skins and drinking at noon and he's just telling stories. Yeah, that's all salesmen. That's pretty much all yeah. salesmen do. Yeah, yeah. So he can talk. He had some good stories. You know, I was listening to him. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, that yeah, you infiltrate Harmon. You, you uh, one of the, one of the my favorite. If you anybody, if this link, one of the funniest things. Well, you took a lie detector test <laughs> on a television show, and the television show is called 
Lie detector. It was called lie detector. So <laughs> Harmon would go down. He, he was when I first met Harmon, he was doing one man shows at the marsh in the Mission District of San Francisco. This is 1999. And he was and he was touring his one man show there. But his credits were he wrote for Spin Magazine and uh, and he toured internationally. He wrote for all these other like online at the time, like the coolest, hippest shit. But he would go down to L.A. and audition for these weird TV shows. And this is one of them. Can oh, yeah. Yeah. Over, uh, the, 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 just tell the story about. Uh, yeah. Lie detector test. Yeah. So this goes in the genre. There was like this um, era where all I would do is infiltrate reality TV shows because they were always desperate for people to get on and they would always have these audition notices on Craigslist and I'd always answer them. So this one was, I think it was a show, I think it was like on PAX TV, which is no more. That was the network. And it just said, uh, have you been in prison and are now on parole? If so, lie detector wants you to tell your story to prove that you were wronged in a situation where you're really telling the truth. So um, I, I like answered it in a millisecond. Yes, I've been in prison. I'm on parole. I want to be on your show, lie detector, and, and tell my story to a lie detector to prove that I was telling the truth. And this, and this is me typing. By and you way. be, this is a super lie, everybody. He's, yeah. he's never been to prison. Yeah. He's literally just a journalist, comedian, touring the world, making it happen. Yeah. So they said, oh, great. We want you on the show. Um, oh, one thing. Can you send your police, you know, arrest report? So that like posed like a problem for like two seconds. So I went on. Uh, oh, what was that uh, website where it had everyone's famous people's like arrest? Uh, you know, mug shots and stuff. Yeah, it was just like everybody's arresting yeah, Elvis, yeah. Sinatra's, you know, Hendrix, anybody. Yeah, yeah. So I went on that site and I downloaded Courtney Love's arrest report for assault with a flashlight and mixed it with David Crosby's arrest report for like drugs and weapons. And I combined them in uh, Photoshop and sent it off thinking, oh, nope, not, not going to hear from the TV show Lie Detector after this. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, they said, great. We want to fly to LA, give you an envelope of money when you get off the plane and, and book you on the show Lie Detector to tell your story. Oh, my God. Yes, everybody, because uh, these are these little TV shows. It's just some PA that's working for little, no money, and they got to book a guest and they don't have a huge budget, but they can spring for a plane ticket and they can give you an envelope of cash. Yeah. Uh, for and put you up at the Holiday Inn in, in Santa Monica. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. A flight from San Francisco. You went down there and you became and you had a fake name and everything like Harmon was a completely different. Is this video online? Because I do want people. to. Yeah, watch. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think if you go to my YouTube channel, you can find it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, so. but keep going. Tell the story. Oh, yeah, yeah. So again, it, it's just like um, I think my fake story was um, I was arrested for drugs and then I was out on bail and then I was at a party and I inhaled secondhand smoke and I flunked like my drug report with my parole officer. But I, I want to prove that I wasn't smoking weed. So then I, I like I, um, you know, dressed the part of, you know, a guy on parole. And, and the TV just, host is kind of like this interview kind of investigator, but with a suit. But it's like, no, no, it, it was cheesy. no, no. It was like a, it was like. Um, the guy who gave the lie detector was the guy who 
gave a lie detector to Joan Benet Ramsey's parents. <laughs> so Ed, Dr. Ed Gelb was his name. Yeah. And then they had this woman who was kind of like really caring, kind of like an Oprah type who would interview me. And oh, then we do the lie detector. And, and then um, the big reveal is, you know, did you pass the lie detector test? And then I pass. Yeah, you I completely just, lied the whole yeah. thing, and yeah. they, you completely pass the test, and they show it on TV like, yeah. oh, he's completely innocent. Yeah, and you're like, I'm not even this person. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I completely proved I was telling you the truth, other than the fact that I completely lied about everything. <laughs> I love that. That is one of my yeah. favorite videos of all time, Harmon. Uh, but you've all since this is the cannabis coffee hour, I'm enjoying a little bit of cannabis, got a little bit of CBD here, a little bit of herb. But uh, you did work on a weed farm. I know you're not the biggest weed head, um, but uh, we did have we were in a band together. One we time. did. That was great, man. Yeah, uh, we had yeah, a, the uh, jazz band uh, mega band of love and power. Yeah, the jazz yeah. band mega band of power, love, and cheap thrills with our dear friend Dan Harm. Uh, yeah, Dan Crawford, uh, Dan Crawford, R.I.P., who played saxophone. But we, yeah, we were in a band together. We would smoke pot. We would do all these comedy skits. But then, you know, you got a little bit older and you stopped smoking pot as much. But then you went off to this pot farm and wrote an article about like trimming weed. Uh, and you said it was a very random, odd situation. But where was it actually? Um, it was up in Sonoma County, kind of the, the what as they call the Emerald Triangle. Yeah, you went to the <laughs> place. That's what yeah. people. I mean, you lived in San Francisco for so long. That's but, the Willy Wonka factory of weed. That is, yeah, you went to the source of like yeah. growing weed up there since the fifties. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm um, just an interesting side note is you know all the police in that area, and this was you know like over ten years ago. All the police know these weed farms go on, but there's no way they're going to bust them because that, because like first the logging industry died. So people are now growing weed, but the whole economy of that area would completely collapse if the police busted those weed farms. You know, it's not legal in California, but this was like before. This is before when I moved to San Francisco, it wasn't legal. It was 99, but weed in California, there was always a culture in California that was very tolerant of uh weed. yeah just like yeah, well, they always had sort of medical health. marijuana was always sort of that was there like my whole time living in San Francisco but yeah then yeah. medical marijuana kind of creeped out of the you know the gay and AIDS movement like kind of like birthed like people going hey we got to get real with this shit and then from that now it's gotten and but it's not federal yet but it's almost there. But California has been wide open forever. But that yeah. area, specifically that area, that is fascinating about the logging industry. If anybody, if you go up to Northern California, like it is, yeah, Redwoods, like it is, I talk about Virginia Blue Ridge Mountains. This is very hardcore mountain people. Like these are towns of like a thousand, maybe 500, you know, just little old podunk towns with farming and like, logging communities and hunting and you know all of that but then underneath that you got this like weed you know dynasty yeah yeah so just a very interesting dynamic up there so you know and again i think that story is dated How long now did because you do it um i just went a couple of days and just again couple, this was I, this was well, something you could do in san francisco if you 
Yeah. They said trimming season. You can go up there and how much are you making an hour? Like how much? Um, It's not hour. It's by the bag. It's by the bag. Wow. Yeah. So um, there were just like these Zen masters that basically, (laughs) you know, me, I would just be like, (laughs) one, (laughs) but there's these people. I mean, they just do it every year and they were just like Yoda. Their hands are made for it. Like they're all like, because if you do trim a lot of bud, like it all gets on your hands and your gloves. It's like this thick resin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got to pick it just gently enough that you, you know, there is kind of a dance to it all. It's not, it's not, it's not high level thinking, but it's definitely a skill set like weaving cotton or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, um, that was part of a book I did called the American dream. So the point was, um, I wanted to, in that book, every chapter I go live someone's perception of what the, their version of the American dream would be by walking in their shoes. So that chapter was just for those people just living the weed working lifestyle was their American dream. Cause basically they get to trim weed all day. They get money for that. And they get to smoke weed all day while working. So it's like they're living their American dream. <laughs> it is American dream. It, 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 I've never done it, but I always think I could have done it a few, like a couple years during those beginning years of stand. Yeah. Didn't you spend there. any time up uh, Sonoma County or anything? Like yeah. That? Yeah. I did with the marijuana logs. That was one of oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to do was with the marijuana logs. When Arj uh, went to Australia, I stepped in. And then it was me, Tony and Dan Gabriel. You know, we would do shows here and there. It wasn't as strong, but we sold out some shows. But we did one tour of the Golden Triangle. And it was the first time that I went up there. I did Chico State back in the day, which mm-hmm. was a big college up there that was awesome. Um, but this time we went to all those weed towns, little small theaters uh, and, you know, all growing communities. And it was, you know, some of the best. It was one of my favorite trips I've ever done. And we took Dan's dad's uh, truck Mm -hmm. and it just but it was only like we had to borrow somebody's car to do this little like, you know, mini theater tour. But it was only like the it was the we only had the passenger seat. You know, we didn't have it wasn't like a it wasn't an SUV. It was like a real truck with a flatbed. So I was like in that little back kind of like kid. oh like yeah kid like space yeah. like for a dog or a small child and you know how funny Tony trail on tour yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm just smoking hella pot with tony kameen and listening to ah. the world talking comedy but yeah we did all those in those towns are just so dope and beautiful and i still remember tasting some of the best weed up there and we got like literally we did uh we did Humboldt. Like there's a community mm-hmm. center. There's like a main, we did like the big, like community center, like of Humboldt. I bet they went nuts. They went nuts. It was packed yeah. and it was all the growers. I remember this weird hippie came down and he was riding a Segway and he had yeah. redlocks and no shirt on. He just showed up to the show. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, I, people don't understand. Like this is a whole other level of hippie dumb that you don't even know out like these dudes this is the ground zero this This is is, ground zero these guys are part this is where hippies from other smaller hippie communities come to get their advanced graduate hippie degree yeah yeah these guys sleep in dream catchers man like you know they have all the dead tapes and uh 
Yeah, it was just I remember leaving that show and our trunk was full of like seven ounces of weed. Like, did you just get people just giving you like giving us and then that venue and specifically, I don't think it was a government. I mean, I think they rented the venue out. Mm -hmm. That guy was like a grower. And I remember he gave us cash and then it wasn't a part of the deal. He gave us each an ounce like he was like, boom, boom. Yeah. Boom. And we were like, and I was flying back to New York and this is back, back at the time. I gave all that herb away. And I yeah, got, yeah, yeah. I used to do those tours. And then after getting popped in New York City, like, I yeah, just yeah. Remember, we know that story. Yeah, we know that story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, Wait, I, which, by the way, is so insane in 2020. That's Tommy Chong in prison. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But a lot of people did. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. yeah the world is changing and with the pandemic, I'm just so happy to see you and that you're alive. And during the pandemic, you know, we're coming out of this shit, but you were going down to Costa Rica. You've been surfing. I mean, we're got to, we're at 45 minutes now, Harm. Yeah. Yeah. We we always go a little over and talk surfing, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about what you've been the last few years you have been, cause you, you're not married. You don't have kids. And uh, not that that's an awesome thing. And, and uh, you've just been bucking and then you've been doing it the right way. You've been just bucking down to Costa Rica and surfing. And you weren't a yeah. big surfer in San Francisco. Like it's just been over the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. So it started with the pandemic in like uh, December of two years ago, I guess now 20, 2020. Where are we at? Yeah. Just yeah. when everything was going to shut down again in New York and it's going to be winter in New York. So all everything that was slowly opening up is all right we're gonna bring it all back so like i looked online like what countries will take people from the u.s you know and it was it was like albania no i've heard some good things but no from there but yeah, um yeah 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 um, barbados maybe uh costa rica oh yeah then it went on it's like and so i've been like the last two years uh i just got back uh where and- do you fly into uh, San Juan, Costa, uh, Costa Rica. And it's just like, it's crazy cheap. My this ticket, is what I hear. It's my ticket, no, no, dude, just put my ticket to fly there. I bet a one-way, $65. That's, that's, that's an Uber ride from JFK. Holy shit. And instead of going from JFK to where you live in Brooklyn, you're in Costa Rica. Which is a, tell me, beautiful beaches, right? And it has oh my God. a Best jungle surfing in the world. Line. Best surfing in the world. I lived up in the jungle, up in the hills, and maybe about a mile bike ride, I'm at the surf beach. So I would work, wow. get up around seven because you wake up because it's sunny and so nice. Beautiful, yeah, that air. Yeah, so I worked till about 3, 3.30, then go down, spend the last two hours of the day surfing. Oh my God. And now, then go have some board on the beach afterwards. or did you rent a board from your house or where were the boards? Cause I oh, took board, the boards are right at the beach. Yeah. Yeah. You rent it from the beach guys. There's usually yeah. somebody there. Who I became friends with and just, just again, we're talking American they used, dream. They, used to, they, just, they just, they just hang around. Yeah. They rent the surfboards. They smoke weed all day. They, they sell you they surf. And uh, if there's any girls around, any tourist girls yeah. that want to go out, they'll they'll be their boyfriend for the week or month that everybody's there. Yeah. And these guys are funny. And also just, funny. you know, it was like when comedy shows stopped, I just noticed this like connection between the surf guys and comedians. It's just like, okay, uh, really passionate about what they do. 
also funny and also slightly dysfunctional. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, these are just like the comedians. So I'll just uh, attach on to these guys and uh, hang with them. They only feel natural when they're out yeah. there. You know? Yeah, they're just like, yeah, get them in social situations, maybe in real life, a little awkward, but when you're just surfing. You paddle and, out into yeah. a good three foot there, you know, that's, you know, glassy three foot waves. And yeah, that's a uh, is it were you on a beach break or was it a coral break? Oh, my God. OK, um, I was on a beach break where. Oh, that's because, well, because just catching the foam is, you know, often yeah, fun enough. Good enough. And you got um, a round, you're getting like a, a nine foot round tip, like to stand up on with a nice fat rail for the board. I'm talking. No, I go, I go like a seven, six. So that's my seven, board six. size. Are you yeah. going pointy or are you going round on the top? Uh, round, round. Yeah. A little bit of round. So yeah. I found that's my, that's my sweet spot. Yeah. There but is a the sweet spot with those boards. Then I went, I went to Panama afterwards, which is right on the coast of where, or on the border where it was. So it's like maybe three hours to this place, uh, Boca del Toro. Wow. And, and I went surfing there in first got a smaller board. Cause that's all they had. Yeah. That's what Again, happened. I, it was a beach where I was just completely out of my element where, yeah. where like, if you're snowboarding, this was like the double black diamond where first of all, these waves are breaking close to the shore and which break your neck. Yeah. And then second, like all these world-class surfers were like just all traversing over my head. So like almost like the first wave, bam, just went flying. And then you're, instead of just like soft sandy, you're smashed into a coral reef. <laughs> just, yeah, dude, bloody leg. Um, it just my thoughts like, oh, yeah. And I always like, stayed away from any coral surfing because I knew. No, better. I, I, yeah. I, I, it was like I had one day left in Panama. And I go, am I going to leave Panama and not surf Panama? And it's and, right there and it looks yeah. cool. Yeah. And it's like, got to got to go. Got to go. Got to surf. Even Get if it. I'm going yeah. for a couple hours. Yeah. It does smashed, make you feel smashed young. into the coral reef. Oh, and then the waves just keep smashing into the coral reef. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that so it just ended with just bloody leg. And, Bloody lesson, leg. and, and a lesson learned get infected in the salt and it gets that i've done all yeah, this yeah, yeah, yeah. southeast asia and i lived in bali for a month and i oh, surfed, nice man yeah i surfed every day in kuda beach and it was nice. a nice break easy the same situation and yeah. it was one of the some of the best times of my life nice. uh so i i'm so envious of surfers and now as i get older um i really i want to long to go do it again rockaway beach yeah, Rockaway Beach. I yeah. have been going out there. You can do it. Yeah, you were out. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I try to go as much as I can. I mean, it's still from Williamsburg. If you take the ferry, it's still like a three-hour journey to get out there. So they Plus, got great breaks. Yeah, you gotta you gotta time the ferries. But uh, you know, ferry rides pretty pleasant than a subway. But you know, True. it can take about three hours if you don't time your ferries right. Yeah, to get out there. But you uh, know, shout it's, out it's good to have like it. We got to, I mean, again, after I got back from Costa Rica, I live, I, I just realized New York, everyone said urban, you know, New York. Well, out of my way. I'm walking here. It's like, no, dude, we live in a beach town. <laughs> yeah. It's an island. We got, I know. It was originally like, flip-flop yeah. island people. Yeah. 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 It's just like, no, man, New York's a beach town, man. <laughs> It's a beach. And then you go upstate to all those hippie towns up there. We broke out and went up to uh, Woodstock and stayed at a hotel mm -hmm. there. And I loved it. I love all those little hippie towns. Like uh, a lot yeah. of artists are growing, are going up there and pots getting legal. Like this area is, you know, there's a lot of nature if you want to go get it. 
but you do have to like get out of New York. <laughs> the city. Yeah, but it's easy just to get. And again, that's uh, I think just the lesson learned from the Costa Rica thing is just you got to get out of your bubble. It's like, yeah, I was trapped in a not trapped, you know, just always thinking like, got to do a lot of shows, got to do a lot of shows. What if, if I took a month off, I'd be missing a month of shows. It's like, no, man, you don't miss anything. And, and you can just easily jump back in one month yeah. off and you jump in even different because like your ways of looking at things are different. You know, the ways you, you just hold perspective is just different. And you're just going to write better shit because of that. Not like, oh, I go to Costa Rica and I come back funnier because I wrote, you know, 10 minutes on bananas. No, it's just like now I just see, you know, I see bananas different you know? yeah, there's this, and, uh, and everything else. <laughs> philosopher Lao Tzu does uh, yep. the way that which mm -hmm. I really got into. But Lao Tzu, one of his things was dope that I, I grabbed mm -hmm. onto with stand up. It's like if you sharpen a knife too much, it gets dull. If yeah. you just keep and I think that's with any art, if you do it so much and you're like, oh, I'm such a super expert, it, it you think you're an expert, but really you're detaching yourself and it's not as live and it doesn't feel good and it's dull. It's like, you know, the 80s stand up mm. or somebody yeah. that does the road too much. Like, yeah, they're really good and killing, but it's like this, you know, robotic bullshit. Yeah. And I'll go I'll, I'll top your Lao Tzu the way with with one John Coltrane or the jazz guys where you wow. also have to have room to fail. And you're yeah. going to and the whole artist thing is just give yourself room to fail, because if you fail, you know, I, you'll have happy accidents within those failures that will blossom into, you know, something stronger, different. Got to take those chances. Got to take those chances and don't get down on yourself when you fall down. Because uh, one thing I've learned in my 20 years of stand up, my my I don't learn as much as when I'm successful. I learn more from the bad sets. Yeah. If I'm always killing, oh, yeah, totally. I, my ego gets so big yeah. and then I get into a situation where my ego can't handle it yeah. and it just collapses on you. But if you really step into looking at things without your ego and, uh, you know, just working through. Yeah. Just. OK, I failed. OK. Yeah. It makes you more creative digging yourself out of the hole or it makes you more creative talking yourself back into the game. It makes you more creative, you know, figuring out. That's what I think about the pandemic. Like it, a little bit is like I think we have to go through this in order to do this looking inward thing you know we yeah. have to get creative to solve these complex you know serious problems where society yeah. is fell down on its face yeah yeah and also just you know a lot of people during the pandemic just excelled in different ways of presenting comedy you know we all have the it's friends true. that just they kind of just found their niche via the zoom live streaming and presenting comedy in a different way, you know, podcasting. Yeah. And I do. Yeah. I think live streaming is the next people I'm hearing this big money coming from live streaming. I think the concert industry is going to be leaning into that. Like the live stream is where it's at. Have you, do you live stream any shit or have you figured out that? Game? Um, I was doing that all through the pandemic. Yeah. But oh. I'm on my, I'm on my friend uh, Zilla's live stream tonight. So uh, yeah. Word. Oh, yeah. you do Twitch or do you do YouTube? Oh my God. I used to do everything uh, via Twitch, but also again, it's like the whole setup restream. You could 
uh, stream it to several things. You can stream it to Facebook or social media and also to Twitch. So um, yeah, I was well into that. I was well into like, I really like tech. So I was well into just the whole back end of. Um, oh yeah. It's all happening. Uh, creative what was problem you solving. just dropped a jewel on me. What was exactly. that? Uh, what was that street? What was that website that you could stream everywhere? You just said. Yeah, it's called Restream. Restream. Yeah. Yeah, th stuff like that. Like, you yeah. pick that stuff up. I'm looking at all these new beat machines that I'm mm -hmm. really into. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and but they go right into your computer and you can play mm -hmm. it during your podcast. Like, yeah, the technology, even us being able to zoom and not catch any weird COVID from each other or <laughs> knock this out. You yeah, know, or or one of us take right a now. subway somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have, and I'm performing a little bit now. Like I'm starting to eat. I shut it down during when Omicron started popping back up. I oh, you, you shut down live shows or yeah, shut things? down. Stop. I stopped. Yeah, and yeah, I had yeah. stuff booked. And yeah. uh, right, oh, wow. right at Christmas, I was like, okay, I'm not doing anything. Just last week, I did a great. I had a fun set. I did a yeah. show at Valentine's. With, uh, with a bluegrass band and then nice. i did a club last night and then this i need to plug this everybody but Harmon, please come littlefield this sunday yes. i'm doing okay. a show it's joe para matt cough and dina hesham everybody that's listening go check out and try to buy tickets at littlefield that's this sunday Harmon, where can they see your books let's just do some plugs and i'll get you out of here buddy yeah yeah um just Go to the Amazon or go to my website, harmonleon.com, and follow the book uh, vertical on it. <laughs> Dude, I could talk to you forever. You have a million stories. We didn't even get into your reality show with OJ, but it's yeah, dude, that's a whole nother episode. That's a whole other episode. And <laughs> yeah, you can yeah, check yeah. out the interview. He does an interview about it with Howard Stern. I just want everybody to know Harmon Leon's a great writer, artist, comedian, and a good friend has always been there. I've known you since the first days of San Francisco and uh, man, uh, cheers to you. Coffee and weed. I uh, appreciate Harmon. Thanks, buddy. Great talking to you as always. Yeah, always. Thank you, Harmon. Peace and love, everybody. Peace That's and it. love. We are out.